Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Rich and I aren't really the contemplative types. Most of our thoughts are shaped by what is to come rather than what has been. But our futures are inevitably shaped by the past, the moments of failure and, well, triumph. Speaking about failures is easy. Speaking about the moments you're proud of, though, it's not very British, but there are lots to be learned from those moments. So today, we're speaking about moments we're proud of from our careers, and most importantly, what we've learned from them. From Joe's eight years in marketing and my 97 years in marketing. Joe, you're a dick. Yes, I am old. <laughs> Joe, did you actually know it's my birthday today? Is it? <laughs> it is my birthday. This is a birthday episode. And there you are being mean to me. <laughs> well, now you're 98 years old. So you're 98 years of marketing experience. Congratulations, dude. Thanks, mate. I've forgotten more about marketing than you'll ever know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's so funny. Well, uh, happy birthday, man. Thanks, mate. I'm Joe Glover, founder of the Marketing Meetup, a global community that connects and educates over 20,000 marketers in the most lovely way possible. Everything we do, we do it to put the human beings we help first. I'm Richard Wood. I lead the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around 19 years now, and I'm a massive believer in that marketers should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating them as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet. Well, with your your 98 years of, of marketing experience, Rich, uh, and speaking about how we've done things well is quite difficult because it doesn't feel very British and it does feel quite boasty. I figured I'd just pass the gauntlet over to you, you know, just with the first task. So uh, what do you look back on and feel proud about in the context of your career? Just but on, on the context of like how you've asked that question with like, it doesn't feel very British to kind of pat ourselves on the back type stuff mm. yes but I also like the way the way I think about it as well is like every single campaign that we've ever put out regardless of the results I'm always like yeah but we didn't quite do this bit or like it could have been better if we did this so I think there's almost that analytical bit I that goes yeah it was good but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be or which I think is just some self-flagellation which is probably <laughs> very British but I, I mean, I, I think that comes back from, like, I had a, a design teacher when I was at university, and his his view on everything was that if you can't look back at the work you did six months and go, yeah, I could have done that better, yeah. then there's you're not progressing. There's, like, you're missing something with what you're doing. You're not moving on from where you were six months ago. So I think, like, if you look back at our historic campaigns, we've got new tools now, we've got new team members, we've got processes, everything, and we understand the markets better than we did back then because we've got even more time in them. And now I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, but if we'd known this now, then, <laughs> then it would have been so much better. So I think that's where a lot of this, like, distaste for me comes from when we look at the, the campaign. So you asked me to pick a couple, and I've, mm -hmm. I've picked ones that actually I like them because of we pushed the boundaries for either we pushed the boundaries for where they were at the time or yeah. we've done something that i found incredibly enjoyable to work on 
Nice. I like that. No, that's a good way of thinking about it. I think, you know, you're spot on that. Well, first of all, that I think we'll, we'll always be incredibly hard on ourselves as well, because I think that's just how we're built. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't treat a best friend like I treat myself. Um, but I also think that's been a, a driving force uh, going forward. So spot on on that point. Uh, point well made. Um, and what is your first one nonetheless? So uh, a few years ago, um, we rolled out a conversational marketing campaign for a high net worth art gallery based in London. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so at the time, conversational marketing and drift were like very new to us. But it was a client that was we'd had incredible results for them across inbound paid media marketing automation. So all of that had been rolled up already. So there was a lot of a lot of trust in that. Um, that advisor space that they're willing to listen to us, willing to take a gamble on ideas. Mm-hmm. So we had taken on conversational marketing for us. We've been playing around with it, but this was our first client that we properly rolled it out for. Now mm-hmm. they sell high grade art, so like they the different um, categories of art, but like they sell blue chip art. So there were some Picassos and Banksies and that kind of stuff. So investment grade stuff. Mm-hmm. So high ticket items. But what they were finding is quite often you would have, um, they they moved away historically from data buying, bashing the phones. That was the model that they originally had. And we came in with inbound, which blew their mind. They're like, what, people are actually going to come to us? And like, yep. And we went through that and they started to understand that. And then we brought in conversational and we're like, look, all you need to understand is we're going to have people who are in a buying inquisitive frame of mind on mm-hmm. your site. And at that particular time, we're going to try and connect them with your salespeople. And they're like, this is never going to work. So we'll try it, but it's never going to work. But you have to split test it. That campaign over, I think, over two years added five million to their bottom line. They're directly attributable to uh, conversational marketing. Like it was phenomenal to the point where their sales team who originally like this is going to be complete shit were then <laughs> scrambling over who could get to the leads first because they what they wanted was a hungry sales team where they had a, a rule of thumb in that the first person to get to it claims it. They didn't want rotation. They just wanted first to it gets it. So they just they created this hungry pool of sharks that just smashed through it. And so coming towards the end of this campaign, well, like the client relationship, they change their CEO and CEOs come in and they're like, we want to do things in like their way and great happens across agencies. Like we understand it, it's not a problem. Um, and he came in and was like, what is this drift thing? Like, what is this cost we're paying for? And he's like, I'm going to get rid of it. And I was like, look, we're, we're moving away from the client anyway, but I want, I want you to know that over the last two years, this has accounted for over 10% of your revenue and the, the cost associated to it is very minimal and your team are using it effectively. But if you want to remove it, you're cool. But, <laughs> and they are still using it today. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> and, and what did you sort of like take away from that? So, you know, the things I hear that you sort of say there is uh, an inquisitive but maybe slightly dubious client, uh, a new implementation, uh, having sort of like the jubilation of the, like a direct ROI. I mean, when you look back on that, what what would you say is like the big couple of lessons, if there are any, from from that period of time? So the the biggest lesson out of that, I mean, the fucking tons of lessons out of it, but like the biggest lesson out of that is if you have a client who is skeptical, you have mm-hmm. to go down that process of land and expand. So pick pick mm-hmm. an individual or a small team within their sales team, 
and turn them into the rock star champion. So get somebody who is who is receptive to new things, new technology, teach them the process, make their numbers look amazing, not like by fudging the numbers, but like actually giving the, um, the tools to be able to hit new numbers. And then everybody else sees that and they come across the line. So it, you, you pick somebody who is going to be almost like a Trojan horse internally, who's going to help drag it across the line. Yeah. Uh, so you, in, in that paragraph, um, it's a very good point, well made. But you did just say, land and expand, Trojan horse, and a rock star champion. So I think we just reminded everyone that we are doing a marketing podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, but I get points for buzzwords. All right. All right, dickhead. What is your proudest moment? <laughs> Um, so, so, so my first one was about, uh, was about messaging, targeting and the power of culture. Um, so, you know, I, I don't need to go into the story of the marketing meetup, you know, hopefully if people have listened to this podcast or, or know about the marketing meetup through the website and stuff like that, they'll, they'll know the history of the group. Um, but the, the thing about community is that really when you start something, then it's just you, but then it becomes a group effort over time. You, you, you sort of pass on the baton to the group and say, well, these, these cultural values that we've started uh, from the off, well, they're not mine, they're ours. And really the, the greatest example that I remember doing once was uh, at an event uh, in Cambridge and Cambridge being one of the biggest events. So, you know, there was like 120 people in the room or something like that. One of the regulars walked up to me and, and she gave me a hug and then sort of said hello. We're having a nice chat. And then all of a sudden I sort of saw this, her eyes sort of drift over to a, a chap who stood in the corner by himself looking a little bit nervous. Uh, and it was in that moment that she sort of said to herself, uh, say hello. Uh, and say hello being one of our values that we um, encourage folks to do at the beginning of every event. So she sort of said, say hello. And then she walked over to the person and introduced herself. And like, it was just such a lovely, lovely moment for me because, you know, all of a sudden this thing that I've been saying to people uh, again and again and again, well, I was able to see it, the human behavior. I was able to see someone who's sort of taken that value from themselves, uh, from from my mouth and my brain and, and what we're putting out as communication and sort of make it their own. Uh, and that felt powerful in like a really sort of profound and, and really quite lovely way that... Um, you can encourage folks to sort of do good things and they do um, if you create the right space. So so really that was a lesson about sort of messaging, about bringing the right people into the room and also about sort of creating a culture that creates something that is welcoming and uh, and accepting of lots of different people. So you, you've got core values, right? And you share those core values with your community. Mm. We have core values as a business and obviously we share those with the team, we hire against them, we fire against them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. How, but every quarter and actually every week, those core values are reinforced or reminded and we're like we outline what they mean and how we should be using them. Mm -hmm. Do you have to do that within your community? How are you reinforcing those values? How are you promoting those values? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that like I think there has become a point where like those values are intrinsic to how folks communicate within the group. So over the, you know, if you go into a marketing meetup event, uh, be it online or in person or in the Facebook group as well, there is a certain way that people choose to speak. So uh, immediately there's a reinforcement through the community 
that folks have sort of said, you know, this is the way that we are going to address each other. And therefore that becomes the norm. So anyone coming into the group all of a sudden sort of accepts or at least observes that um, this is the way things are here, you know, and, and there's almost like a, it doesn't need to be implicitly stated in in the, those circumstances because um, it's just obvious. Um, but then there are other things. So for example, in the Facebook group, then we have some uh, moderating questions that when folks try to join the group, then they have to ask a ser- answer a series of questions in the affirmative to sort of say, you know, I accept these group norms, you know, and I'm going to come in with that foot forward. Uh, and if they don't, then they're just removed from the group. Same with the uh, online events at the beginning of every event. I'll sort of say uh, three lessons or three things that we want to take from the, the event is that we learn something new. The chat feature stays alive and it's a group effort that we sort of share and publicize it. So again, that's sort of another sort of reinforcement at the beginning of every event that we do um, just to say, you know what, we're coming together. And then there's also a third way, which is through the messaging. So whether it's through uh, sort of the positively lovely slogan, which is sort of like something that is sort of black or white, you either like it or you don't like it. Um, I think folks sort of either opt in to the group off the basis of that message or, you know, just choose not to engage. And I, I think that's been really, really important. I think the last thing that is interesting is that in this past week, we've had some coverage from like some significant blocks who have bought in some traffic uh, from uh, places that wouldn't have otherwise sort of been part of the community. And interestingly, as folks have sort of come into the community as new people, then we've seen like a different type of person sort of come into the community and start posting. Um, and interestingly, you know, these folks aren't getting as much engagement because they're doing things in a certain kind of way, um, which means that like over the course of time, they're going to think, oh, well, it's not worth posting anymore because, you know, I'm not getting anything off the back of it. And it's because they're looking to take first. So I think, you know, this culture that has been built, built up over the course of time, all of a sudden, you know, folks are uh, sort of reinforcing it themselves through their actions. And, and we just need to do those little prompts over the course of time as well. So. so it's it's interesting you just talked about take first there. So yeah. I am part of like we're currently building a an alliance of of partners to help us like service globally and what we're doing with that is part of the principles that we've built that around are give first and you have to subscribe to that process of give first see what you can do to help grow everybody like if because if if everybody's growing then everybody wins out of it but if you approach yeah. it with like what am i getting out of this it just doesn't work i, I think yeah. and that's for me communities the best communities are built out of that what can i put into this rather than what can i take out of this 100 percent, like just spot on it almost needs nothing extra adding to it because you know that that sort of attitude of, of giving first that is what community is about and whether it's in the corporate context or a personal context I think it's actually more useful to look at it from a personal context first, try and learn those lessons and then apply it in the corporate world. So for example, if you're part of a, I don't know, a cycling club or a football club or whatever, you know, people don't come with the attitude of, 
what can I take from this? They come from the attitude of what can I give to this? So there's really no reason why when we step into a business world, just because money is involved, that we should take, you know, change the sort of substance and, and value of community away from that place of, of looking to give because it just doesn't work. And inevitably what happens is that people have a crap time and they don't come back to that particular community. So um, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and so really taking the example of the personal context, applying it in a corporate context um, is so, so important with community. And that's something I'm really super passionate about, actually, because I see so many people get it wrong. Um, but, you know, inevitably what happens is they just think community doesn't work for business. It absolutely does, but you have to do it the right way. Joe, do you know what's just dawned on me? You are basically the British marketing equivalent of Ted Lasso. I don't know who Ted Lasso is. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, Joe. <laughs> Should I be looking up and get offended on the call? Or is no, it... no, the dude is positively lovely. That, that, is, that is his MO. <laughs> nice. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll look him up. Uh, <laughs> nice. I can see it's now on Netflix. I'm going to watch that later. <laughs> Good. Uh, number two for you, Rich. <laughs> so it's it's another drift one, but from the other side of the spectrum. So, and this is actually how you and I met. And I'm not putting this on the list because you and I met. Um, but so drift. So we've been a drift partner. So we were part of their original batch of partners. I think in like 2016 or 17, something like that. Um, and they came to us in 2019. Yeah, they came to us in 2019 and asked us, could we help them grow into EMEA? Um, and like the, the excite, so this is one that like we got, it was exciting to be part of because obviously Drift over the last few years have built a hype machine around like the, the obviously you've got like the hyper growth conferences, you've got that whole persona of it being something exciting to be part of so we help them with a mix of um, like physical events so all over EMEA so we did London Dublin Copenhagen Oslo um, where else did we go uh, Amsterdam so I think that was the first batch of cities that we did and engage people locally using a, ahead of the time digital kind of outreach, marketing, targeting people who were either potential partners, who were partners, or who are the right kind of customer fit. We targeted them to, along to an event and then kind of wrapped up digital services around all of it. And it was it was fun to be a part of, and it had some real impact. Like it helped build um, a footprint for Drift ahead of them moving into the EMEA space. Um, and we got, to, we got to do a lot of cool stuff, meet a lot of cool people, um, and really kind of push the boundaries of what we did. Um, and like that's where you and I met and kind of we were working alongside you and working alongside Mark Killens. Um, and that, that for me was one of those things that solidified that there is something incredibly powerful when you couple physical with digital because it's a lot harder to disengaged, disengage or... Um, and it's a lot easier to feel like you are part of something when there is a physical element to it. And I think that's, we came off the back of that. We were about to do another round of them just before COVID hit. And off the back of that, obviously that kind of kiboshed those plans because we couldn't do digital anymore, uh, sorry, physical anymore. And I think that was where a lot of like the energy immediately sucked out because we were like, oh, we were doing this really cool, exciting thing. And now that's gone. Um, but the biggest learning out of that was 
couple things with like digital and physical go so well together and I think a lot of people forget that particularly in ABM campaigns so if you can if you can run a digital and direct mail type campaign great but couple it with a digital uh, physical event as well because the impact you'll get from that you will win business as long as your event's not shit obviously <laughs> no I, I think you're right I mean it's funny I think you're being a little bit generous in sort of saying that I worked with you on it because I remember speaking with Mark about it and uh at one point you know sort of like almost <laughs> applying for the role of doing it i'm so glad that you sort of like ended up taking the lead on that because what you delivered was phenomenal and like there was no way that uh i was going to reach the level of what you did uh, at that time you did such a phenomenal job with that thanks uh, very much i mean you you did send out an email to your list we got a few few people along and you nice. You personally got the wrong date, but other than that, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I remember clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I'd forgotten about that, but but you're right. I mean, but you are you you're spot on. Um, so out of interest, I mean, there is something on the ABM front which is like I could imagine a beautiful flow, like um, you know, a nice handwritten letter to a, a dinner for whoever, uh, followed up by a landing page, uh, you know, which is thanks for coming you know rich dude uh, we did one better because you know the conversational marketing book drift book yeah, yeah. key key targets we sent that with a handwritten note out nice and like yeah. if somebody sends you i mean you get into the whole kind of reciprocity rules somebody sends mm -hmm. you something like that you're like yeah i should probably go to this because mm -hmm. they put some effort and they've gifted me and like shit like that and it's it it's powerful particularly when it's put in the context of it is part of a wider machine. Like, have this book. We'd love you to show up, but there's no, there's no kind of, there's no hook to this. You don't have to give the book back if you don't come. Um, yeah. And then we also use the books at the events to start to start engagement, getting people asking questions. So every one of these events, we took like thirty odd books, and then like every time somebody asks a question, you get a book. And then people start going, oh, shit. If I actually, if I, if I brave up and say yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ask this question i'm gonna stick my hand up uh -huh. i'm gonna get a book it's so much easier to get that momentum going that's so interesting i'd love to be an abm person it sounds like such a cool job because you are you're just about people in you know i mean not that the rest of marketing isn't but it's such a direct personalized sort of thing where you can really put the thought into individual people to to you know doing something special for them it sounds like a really really cool job i am um, uh, i my goal in marketing, do you know when I'll, I'll be happy to retire, right, is, and I've pitched this idea to so many clients, often tongue-in-cheek, and, they, <laughs> and they think I'm not being serious, but I want a client to let me stick a billboard, a personalized billboard outside yeah. one of their key contacts. Nice. Like that, that's what I want. I, wanna, I want to, obviously, you don't have an office, but like if you were in an office, I want a big board, billboard that says, Joe, you should be working with Six and Flow, nice. like outside your office. <laughs> Could, could you do that for yourselves and then sort of say, well, we did it for you and it worked, uh, so now we want to do it for you and someone else? Do you yeah, that would... my ops director would lose her shit if she found out <laughs> I spent 10 grand on a, on a billboard. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, she, she is on mat leave though, so <laughs> catch I me if you can. It sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Anyway, yours, number two. Uh, number two, so when I went, uh, when I was in university, then the first book, the first marketing book I really read was uh, Loved. Loved. Yeah. Yep. And uh, like that was kind of one of the books that sort of inspired me into my career in marketing. The other thing was um, 
a love for social media at the time. And uh, I remember reading that book, and it was by uh, the then chairman of, of Saatchi and Saatchi, um, who has since resigned in, in, in shame, but it was a good book nonetheless. Um, and it just really inspired a dream to, to one day work for Saatchi and Saatchi. Uh, you know, they were the company who I sort of saw as, as this pinnacle of, of advertising, and I thought myself a creative person and stuff like that. So um, I thought, yeah, I want to work for them one day. And uh, they, every year they ran an internship, a summer internship. And uh, each year in university, I applied and I never got in. And so Bastard. it was after, <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. But after, after that experience, then you know, I, I kind of went a different way and I started valuing different things and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I always had that thing in the back of my mind that Saatchi and Saatchi was one of those companies which was pretty cool. Um, a few years passed and eventually uh, ended up in a place where I ended up running an event in the Saatchi and Saatchi offices with uh, the, the the then current chairman of Saatchi and Saatchi uh, speaking at it. And it was just one of those surreal moments. I remember going down, we went down twice, the first to scope out the venue and then the second for the event itself. And I just sort of stood there and I was like, you know, this is mad. You know, I'm, I'm surround, I'm in the building I wanted to be in. But uh, I am doing a job that I love more than, you know, more than anything in a, in a sort of professional context. I couldn't imagine a better job. And, you know, it was sort of one of those moments where I was just like, you know, this is the best of both worlds. And really the lesson for me from it off the back of it was that even though there was disappointment at the beginning of that particular journey, there was then followed by that, you know, just as a really joyful moment where I was doing things on my own terms but had ended up at the same destination, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I was really proud of that moment. Um, it's so, and- so funny because Saatchi and Saatchi has always been the thing that I wanted. Like it, <laughs> as in, I wanted to work for Saatchi and Saatchi. So I, mm. I grew up in New Zealand and I don't know if you know this about Kevin, but he, his sister moved over to New Zealand like um, many, many years ago, and he followed. And that's why there's a big Saatchi and Saatchi presence in New Zealand. Um, and so my through the work that my mum did, she was kind of involved with like Saatchi and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was one of those agencies that has always been that thing that I wanted to work for. So I'm sure I applied for jobs there and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. and when I was doing the PhD, we actually had Kevin come in and talk to us, along with Tom... Iceland, I can't remember what it, but his job is like the chief tech guy or was the chief tech guy at um, Saatchi and Saatchi so he basically went and played with new tech to figure out what they could do with the cool stuff and then go and build it so like I idolised it and then but, and now I'm like yeah but what if I could build something better so yeah. like that like that's not some like super arrogant statement of me going I'm going to be bigger than Saatchi and Saatchi but what if I can, there's nothing stopping us as a business of going, actually, we could build something that has abs bigger impact for clients and we could grow it to some big, big kind of globally recognized agency. And that's, but it, it's funny that both of us had that kind of Saatchi and Saatchi dream. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether there's anything that sort of meant that we, end, I mean, we've ended up in very different places, albeit. Uh, as good friends so it's interesting nonetheless I don't know it, it, those level of companies are aspirational but I think it's just such a 
a pleasant realization to know that you can create your own path and yep. as you say create something that is better and it may just well be your personal definition of better but that's enough you know and, and it's pretty cool pretty cool moment to be able to do that and to release yourself from aspirations of working for someone else's company and sort of say you know what i can take control if i want to here and, and create something that's pretty cool um yeah a good moment uh how about number three for you I, honestly i think it's the the six and flow marketing machine not from like we generate leads we sell all those leads like not that space but the recruitment side so we've we've put a lot of effort and like recently and we've gone through fits and um, fits and starts over the, the years but we've put a lot of effort into humanizing the brand and not just like the brand of six and flow but like the employer brand and one of one of the goals when i started the agency is i wanted to create an agency that if i didn't own it i'd want to work for it and i think our ongoing efforts with that have generally speaking been quite effective with that so like we we have normally a good a good bank of people who are reaching out to us want to work with us people generally know who we are when like in the spaces that we want to attract people from and that's that's been powerful but the nice thing about it so you got you and i've talked about this countless times where like the businesses our businesses are transitioning from being owner led in terms of the branding to becoming their own kind of machines behind it um not just machines probably the wrong word but they have their own momentum and what we've got now is the team driving a lot of those campaigns the team coming up with the ideas from it i'm still involved with them if they want me to be but a lot of it is now driven by team members from a creative perspective and we're much better at talking about a people leaving so like it always sucks when people leave but they're quite often leaving for the right reasons and we should it took me a long time to realize that we should still be celebrating the ones that leave as well um and that's that we do that now and also celebrating the ones who are starting as well so making sure that people people are seeing that yeah there is movement but it's good movement quite a lot of the time nice that must be such a moment of pride you know sort of looking at at the team and sort of going you know you got it yeah. <laughs> it must be over to you guys yeah well you know i know that you speak a lot about building a company that people are proud to work for but it sounds like through their actions they're actually demonstrating that you know the, the space that you've created is is creating exactly that it must be so so lovely <laughs> positively <laughs> yeah well you know maybe there isn't a lot more to be said on that you know other than you know um what a cool thing <laughs> what's, your, what's your number three joe um, so my number three is all about the marketing meetup grants that we're launching at the moment, which is a, a three-week program uh, that we launched quite recently for folks to come through. And if they have an idea, uh, then we're going to look to support them. Um, and this really is just something that speaks to my heart more than anything. You know, it's something where, like, I'm literally, you know, as part of it, then I, along with the other sponsors, are literally giving away time and money for no other reason than it feels good um and it, it's not uh, you know something to pat ourselves on the back on it just sort of is a really lovely moment of you know what i'm going to choose to grow my company in a way which doesn't have to fit the norm it doesn't have to be optimized for profit beyond anything else it doesn't have to be 
all about corporate uh, sensibilities, it can be built to help people. And I feel like with the marketing meetup, then, you know, we always strive to educate and connect people and do it all with kindness. You know, that's the line we use. Um, and, and people benefit in a very direct way. Um, but it feels like a slightly more indirect route to the, to the words, you know, I'm helping you. Um, whereas the grants feels like a very sort of direct sort of method of helping someone. And just, you know, for that reason, I feel very, very proud to sort of think we've created that and now it's going to be a thing and it's genuinely going to benefit someone's life. And that's really cool. And really the lesson associated with that, and it's very similar to the Saatchi one, I guess, um, is that there's a way to sort of create your own career and bring it to a place where you're doing the thing that you want to be doing, you know, beyond any other. Um, for me, that is helping people and, and more specifically helping people who want to help themselves. Um, and that's just such a privilege. And uh, yeah, so I, I think there is just a lesson there about sort of career development, I guess, which is it doesn't have to be at the at the whim of someone else. You can create this thing. And even if it's not a, uh, a, a quick route to be able to do the thing that you want to be doing, um, then you know you, you can get to that place and then you can sort of think this thing that i'm doing i'm actually really really pleased that i'm doing it um which has been great i'm, I'm, I'm feeling i am feeling proud about that which is nice nice well, i think that yeah. that pretty much wraps us up joe yeah i think we're good um we enjoyed that mate it's nice uh, you know hopefully... thanks for showing up this week <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh it's nice to be able to take some pride and stuff and i hope that it's come across in the intended way which is um you know just being pleased with stuff rather than showing off <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah we'll, we'll see i enjoy it anyway thank you mate always enjoy mate thanks and, everybody uh, thanks for listening hope you're good bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.